Hey there, MMA fans. This is Rafael Garcia back for episode 95 of the MMA Ratings Podcast. This is Thursday, uh, August 9th, and it is about 11 o'clock, and I'm here with Sean Heems, and we got a lot to talk about in MMA this week. Uh, Sean, how are you doing there, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. I hope these fans appreciate your dedication, man. It's late over here. Dude, I'm exhausted. I just got done teaching Nogi, trained for an hour, and then did an hour's worth of weightlifting after a full 10-hour day of working. So, yeah, it is what it is, man. You have to know you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. We got quite a bit to talk about today because we had a pretty big pay-per-view this, this past weekend with UFC 227. Uh, show that there's quite a bit to talk about coming out of that. And we have some pretty big news. You know, Conor McGregor's fighting probably Mark Madoff. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, Eddie Alvarez and the Bellator World Tour Grand Prix. So we got quite a bit to talk about today, man. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. We're going to talk McGregor and Mark Madoff first. And this fight was announced last week. It is going to go down October 6th, which is rather soon, um, coming up quicker, much, very, very quickly. It's something that I'm pretty surprised by how fast they are going to push this upon us. But that has everybody excited. Um, it has everybody pretty much excited. And it's a, it's a very big, big fight here because he's fighting for the light, lightweight title, which Margo Madoff carries. So this is pretty huge here, man. What are your thoughts about this fight here initially? And let's take it from there and kind of build out on some of the other repercussions of this big fight. Um, I'm really, I really I think really that in the two years, I think this is a very tough fight for Khabib. I've always thought that Connor had the movement and the power the athleticism kind of causing trouble in speed. And after seeing his fight against Barbosa, I'm just more confident that get him on the feet. And I feel that that time spent on boxing, I expect to see a super Saiyan Conor McGregor stand up. Because when because you put that kind of focus and you fit that caliber, you can't help but like, make a huge leap forward. forward. And he was and already light years All right, so you're breaking up a little bit. Before we get too deep into this great conversation, let's get that squared away. So try to get yeah, to a little bit more of a silent location and let's get, get it a little bit better there. But um, as he was saying, you know, uh, this is going to be a very interesting fight because a lot of people are already trying to say that well connor can't deal with namago madoff on the ground you're right you know namago madoff is a hell of a fighter uh he's a hell of a grappler he's a scary ass wrestler but there's a whole aspect of the fight starting on the feet which makes this um much more interesting on a lot of different reasons so uh sean i'm gonna go from there yeah i i agree with you that there's a There's huge, a huge gap, gap on the ground, on the ground. but Khabib, Khabib hasn't been exactly, exactly a finisher. A finisher. He's kind of broken guys down and broken their will. He's not really a dynamic finisher. Guys who've been able to put that up, 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 
And that's very that's concerning very when you have a guy who any strike. There seems to be a little bit more margin for I mean, you saw against Johnson. How long did it take him to work Johnson over? You saw him against Barboza. He didn't finish Barboza. You saw him against Darren Horcher. Even though he looked dominant, he didn't blow those guys out of the water. He didn't just submit them instantaneously. They, they, they had their moment to win the to fight. They just couldn't do it. Can't take advantage of those moments. So let me ask you a question. Now, now Khabib could just pick. Because you mentioned um, a couple of different things about some of Magomedov's uh, last fights. And I was asking a few people this week, do you think that Magomedov and his recent fights was getting so far ahead that he was toying with people. I mean, look at the way he fought Johnson and uh, Edson Barbosa. When he had him on the ropes, he could have got both of those guys out of there a lot sooner than he did. Um, and I'll agree with you because there were pieces where there were points where um, Johnson was piecing Namargo Madoff up on the feet. He had him rocked for a second there too. But do you think Namargo Madoff gets so far ahead on, ahead on guys that he just starts to coast and play with him a little bit? Now, now, I, I understand, I understand that, logic, that logic, but as a professional, as a professional fighter, fighter, how does that help you? You know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make any more excitement for the fight when you go two or three rounds with somebody. You're breaking up. We can't hear what you're saying, man. I said, I, I think when, when you, you go two or three rounds with a guy, you're arguing. Like, what is big... What's so big What's about Conor out, out in the round? He got Eddie Alvarez yeah, out in two, two rounds. If Khabib's going full round, rounds, going longer with guys who aren't world class, that kind of hurts his argument. So, what do you think about the notion that he's going to fight Ramon Madoff? Oh, excuse me, he's going to fight Conor in a totally different way than he fought his last couple fights. Because if you saw him, you saw him stand a little bit with uh, Edson. You saw him stand with Johnson as well. Do you think this fight is that important to him that he's not going to do that at all? Um, um, I think for him to I win the fight, he's got to attack on all that. The only difference, the only difference is against, against Edson, Edson and, and Aya Quinta, they can't deal with pressure. Their footwork's not good enough. So you can, so you can you can you can attack them with a certain amount of pressure and volume. So you think then what what would what would, so you have, I, 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 what would your prediction be for how what Namargo Madoff has to do in order to make this um, a more viable fight for him? Well, I figure well, he has two approaches. One, he goes to the wall and try to and jump try on to McGregor, jump McGregor here before, before he can acclimate and get his timing. timing. And I honestly think that might be the best shot. shot. Because if he tries because to do, tries do a more, do more methodical approach, approach, coming behind a jab, using feint, or trying to pressure Connor, he's not very good at that. He he's just he's not been he hasn't been very good against Barboza. He's been good against Torture. He wasn't good against Johnson. 
so I can't I imagine, can't imagine him, trying him trying to patiently work his way into range. Because Connor has, has, has no fear of no feet. feet. So, that's, that's, that's an interesting analysis there. Because I feel like a lot of, you know, as I listen to people break down this fight, I am listening to more of a pro Connor conversation, even though he's taking so much time off from MMA specifically, at least in competition. But I am hearing more and more of a pro Connor um, idea here. And I think it's very interesting because this is easily the toughest grappler in the sport today. And if McGregor goes in there and blows his uh, blows his doors off, I mean, that that's that's basically a nail in the coffin as far as um, the rest of the lightweight division goes, right? Trump? Okay, so I'm not sure if he dropped off for a second, but let's keep the conversation going from there because this is a very intriguing fight. I'm, I'm looking at a lot of analysis that's breaking down this bout, and a lot of people are putting the onus on Namara Middle, thinking that he is outclassed, which is the same way that um, Sean was saying. So, as I was saying, Sean, there, um, if Namara, excuse me, if Connor finds a way to keep this fight on the feet long enough to put Namara Middle on skates and get him out of there, how big of a win would this be for the Irish champion? Okay, well, anyway, um, I, man, looking at, at so I was listening to an interesting take on this fight, and some people look at it as if, um, how big of a fight, give me one second. Sorry about this, folks, Sean's having some, uh, Technical difficulties there again. Let's see if I'm getting there. So, yeah, people were talking about the um, importance of this fight for Connor, and I think I heard a very interesting take on this that liken this fight to liken Connor to Muhammad Ali, and I kind of my ears kind of turned up at that calling excuse me, calling McGregor a cultural icon akin to Ali, and that's, that's a bit much because what Ali has meant to the so in the social justice space, I mean, there's nothing Connor can do within that space that, that matches. So I'm not even going to play up that conversation, not at all. But it is important to talk about Margaret, or Connor, I keep doing that, as a, um, as a, as an icon because Everyone knows who this man is. Um, you know, no, I, I have very few people that I know that follow MMA closely that really kind of 
catch on to the action month after month, week in and week out. But everyone knows who Kyron Hunter is. Uh, even and well, I'm not gonna say even before the Floyd Mayweather fight. I feel like that had a lot to do with it. But it's very clear that he is a huge star that draws attention across the sports and culture stratosphere. So seeing him come back to the cage after being away for two years and fighting for the belt that he never lost, it creates the right type of dynamic that becomes box office. The same way we talk about LeBron going to LA, uh, A-Rod going from Seattle to New York, this is a box office sports moment. And I think it's going to have a huge impact, on, at least on this event. I'm not going to necessarily show, say it will, for business as a whole. But I think it's a big moment for the UFC. Um, from a business side of it, I'm looking at a lot of early predictions. People are saying that this fight could reach the... This event could reach the $2 million pay-per-view buy um, range. Let's see. I don't think there's any of other fights that are announced for this card yet. Let me look. I'll take that back. So go. So we have UFC 229, October 6th. Alexander Volkov and Derek Lewis right now is a co-main event. Sergio Pettis, Juicier uh, Formiga. Yana Kuskaya, Lena Landsberg. Ryan LeFlair and Tony Martin. So also Dominic Reyes and Open St. Crew. So right now, there isn't a whole lot booked for this event and nothing that jumps off the page. But Connor is box office all by himself. We are well aware of that. So from a business standpoint, I am very intrigued on what occurs. Let me get Swan back in here. numbers do for the UFC. Again, you know, they continuously struggle from a rating standpoint all throughout 2018, all throughout 2017. 
So now we're looking at one moment where the money could be coming in uh, with Connor McGregor at the top of the Shawan, let's talk about this from a business standpoint. Um, if you can turn off your camera for me, what does this event look like for a business stand standpoint for the UFC? Um, it's big, it's big business. Plain and simple. I mean, I remember when people were saying that that, that ambush was the worst thing in history, and now they're using it as promo footage to build up the fight. And it's such big business, they're not doing the typical Connor, go around the world, go around the world. Like a home run without them having to invest any money in it whatsoever. Which is why Connor coverage with the UFC. They don't have to build this up. They build it. Advertise it. All that's already been done. Have you guys. What do you think the buy rate number comes in at? Uh, say that again. Again. What do you think the buy rate number comes in? Where do we see that buy rate number hit? I, I really I think, think it think might. It might. <laughs> I mean, because Connor. And then you have the controversy. You have the fact that you you have the the Mayweather fight. How does this not do huge numbers? How does this two million minimum? You're saying two million? Yeah, two million minimum. I think it might be two point two million. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I'm I'm a little not concerned, but I think that this this event would definitely benefit from a not a world world tour, but some type of major press event. It doesn't seem like that have they have that booked right now. Let me ask you this. I, 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 I one more I, I, thing. I think they were trying to strike while the iron was hot. Like any any drama, we want this fight to happen. This is our money maker. We're not taking any chances. I mean, that's very well possible there because we know that Michael Madoff, he tends to get hurt every other fight. So let's, let's hope that both of these guys make it to the cage. That's all I'm wait, waiting for. First. Can, can you imagine can you if this imagine? man misses weight? Dude, he will get, he, he'll get cut. Yeah, I, I honestly, I have to agree with you. He might, they might have to cut him. I, I don't know what they will do. I don't know what shade of red if this man doesn't make weight. If he does not make weight, he gets cut. And uh, you know what? I really believe he doesn't make weight. Some kind, kind of illness. With this kind of payday, you take that chance. What you can do. So I got another question for you. Um, what does this do to the rest of the lightweight division? I think the main question is around three people. Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier and uh, Nate Diaz. We got Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier fighting later on this year in New York, UFC 230 in November. I think it's November. And you also have Tony Ferguson, who looks like he's coming back for injury just fine. No fight book, book, no fights are booked for him quite yet. 
what do you think? So it's clear, neither none of these three men are getting a title shot in 2018. But who of these three do you see getting the next crack at, at the uh, title? Or I'll say, I'll say, I'll say what's the name? One other name. Or do we see GSP somehow get his way and be in the lightweight title picture before this is all said and done? If the UFC is about making a fight and Connor wins, a fight with GSP would just be another record record setting kind of fight. Money. Attention. And the legit and new lightweight champion, middleweight, and then came story. But unfortunately, the UFC is the king of petty. They will give up millions of dollars to prove a point. They've done it before. I believe they will do it again. So I, I don't think I don't think Saint Pierre is a viable option right now. I mean, something could change, but right now I don't think he's even on the board as far as being an option. So I'm, I'm going to be real with you there. They said the same thing about middleweight. Well, it's, it's different middleweight because middleweight, middleweight is not, it's not, it's not it's a very not popular, popular division. division. Like they don't like, have it. They don't have anybody with any real skill. Even in lightweight, let's fight. It may be a fight. Nate versus Connor is still a, a pay-per-view that can do over a million buys just because the personality is involved. Nate versus Poirier is going to do some kind of numbers because Nate just has that kind of fan base, and him being out for the past couple years has just made his legend grow even more. So they have some options at lightweight to make money and to bring in ratings and to get attention. Middleweight had none of that. Michael Bisping and who else? Michael Bisping and me. That's all I know. I mean, I mean you would have been, been the second away match. I mean, we talked to Whitaker. Best fight of the year. Best match. Sold nothing. You're breaking up a little bit, man. Say that again. I said Whitaker versus Romero was one of the best matchups of the year. What was the pay per view number? I don't know, like 12? I mean, it, it wasn't, it that, wasn't good. that good. The middleweight, the middle, middleweight, middleweight division, division didn't have teams. Whereas lightweight, lightweight division had in the spotlight, like to be in social media, and have some, have a and can at least generate some sales and generate some interest. Middleweight division didn't have that. They were kind of stuck in middleweight. And Michael Bisping wanted to make money. Nate Diaz can make money with Conor McGregor can make money with all right, so you're breaking on there. We're going to move on a little bit there. So um, you talked about all the money that was made, the sum of the previous guys that are, or some of the current guys who are fighting around the top of the lightweight division. Let's talk about the one guy who was a former champion who's been a champion everywhere he's competed and defeated other champions everywhere he's been in Eddie Alvarez, he's now a free agent. Bought out his um, bought out his contract. Lost it to Dustin Poirier, and many people are wondering what's next. Uh, Dana White said he would like to keep him in the UFC, but he recognized that he may be after 
the most money that is possible for him, and that may be somewhere else. Really, there's really a few places he could really go at this point in his career. I am curious. Michael Chandler is also a free agent. So if Eddie Alvarez signs with Bellator, that does not necessarily mean that that third fight is happening. Where, if you have Eddie's ear, where do you tell him to go and why? Me personally, I'd probably just go wherever they pay the most money, and I don't think that's the UFC. I mean, you heard how Dana's talking about him. He's like, I'd like to keep him. It'd be nice. But I'm looking at younger people. I mean, imagine if you were in a relationship and you to- told your spouse that or your girlfriend that. Well, I'd like you to stay around, but you should go where the best offers are at for you. I mean, you can say that if you want, but you ain't getting the, you ain't getting the draws that night. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Yeah. Exactly. And that's basically what he told Eddie. He's like, you know, if you want to stay, I'll make you an offer. If you want to get a better offer, you have to go somewhere else. At this point, Eddie just should be trying to make the most money he can. He's already coming to the end of his career. He's, he's won multiple championships, defended titles, fought big names. It's all about paydays from this point out. It's not about exciting fights. It's not about pleasing the fans. It's about getting paid and taking care of his family in the next phase of his life. So where, whoever will pay him the most, that's where he has to go. Risen, Bellator, 1FC. It's not about – he's already proven he's one of the best. Now he needs to get paid like he's one of the best. Now, here's the question. What is his legacy? Is he one of the best? I mean, his run includes wins over Rafael Dos Anjos, um, Shania Aoki, Michael Chandler, uh, Roger Huerta. Let's see who else he beat, man. Um, but Eddie Alvarez has beaten, like, world beaters. Gilbert Melendez. I'm, I'm pulling his record up right now. I think he's 34 years old. Sure dog is fucking slow as hell sometimes. Um, I don't know. His, let me see. Uh, the main thing is that he's seven and the amount of promotion in one. That's what separates him. That's what separates him. Let's see. Let's see. Let's Both of them. So let's talk about this. He beat Justin Gaethje, the last World Series of Fighting champion, Rafael Dos Anjos to win his uh, UFC title. He beat Anthony Pettis, another former champion. He beat be Gilbert Melendez, the last Strike Force champion, Michael Chandler, Shinya Aoki, a former Dream and uh, one lightweight champion, um, Ryzen's champion as well. He beat Pat Curran, Roger Puerta. He's also beaten Tatsuya Kawajiri, who was a work, who was a smashing machine back in 2008. He's also beaten him. He has um, defeated Aaron Riley, who had a pretty good UFC run at the time. I mean, this guy's been fighting since back in 2003, probably earlier than that. And he's you know, had you know, a hell of a career. First 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 champion. Champion. Say that again? Pat Coran was the first, was the first champion, champion, champion And he beat him, too. So, so his, his stance is based, based off of his career, career. And, and the amount of names on his resume. 
Where would you rank him right now, all time at base? Mm, I'd say I'd three say or four. Three. He's behind Conor McGregor, DJ Penn for sure on my list. Pretty interesting there, man. Good analysis. Good analysis. Um, one other story I wanted to talk about. This is pretty interesting to me, man, because Bellator is doing some interesting things. We're going to talk about two stories with them. First is the Bellator Welterweight Grand Prix, and I don't know about you, but I'm super excited about these first round matchups. We have Ed Ruth and Neiman Gracie. Andre Koreshkov and, and Douglas Lima going at it again. Roy McDonald and John Fitch. Far Daly and MVP. And the alternate fight that no one's talking about features, features uh, uh, Lorenz Larkin. So talk to me about this, Sean. When you look at this, uh, this docket here, what does this do for you in your interest in seeing this uh, tournament? Well, the main, well, the main thing, thing is, is the, it's appeasing the hard courts. Because they're always saying we get these sham matchups, we get these carnival fights. Now you're getting the fights you want, so the ratings better reflect it. This is a big risk on Bellator's part because they're going the respect the sport, hardcore route, making these fights. So if the ratings don't line up, the fans, the hardcore fans, are going to set Bellator back, and they're going to start getting a list of carnival fights with old washed-up fighters. So, which of these four, five? Well, I'm going to just say four. Let's stick with the eight men who are in the tournament. Which one of these four fights um, excites you the, the most? This is probably, this is probably the, the, the most intriguing, intriguing one. Is McDonald's. Because, because McDonald's McDonald's defend defend Musashi, 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 and John, John and John and Fitch, Fitch is a real because, because Fitch is Fitch 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 I think the most interesting thing that the most interesting fight that jumped out to me is the Ed Ruth immigration. Now I know all the others feature names that everybody knows, but man, Neiman, or excuse me, Ed Ruth is my dark horse. Dude has been putting in work for work's sake. Like he makes me think of um, the guy that's in like like. The rapper is in the lab trying to come up with a hot mixtape or something like that to get signed. That's Ed Ruth. Dude is just fighting on undercards, fighting on undercards, fighting on undercards, trying to get out the way, trying to stay out the spotlight. This is one. Of, this is a fantastic collegiate wrestler. Dude came. Dude's coming in. With all he comes in with all types of credentials. He's going out there, getting better, time and time again, competing at. Um, IBJJF tournaments in the gi, for God's sakes, doing well in those tournaments there. And now and this guy is committed to the game. There's no other way to put it. Ed Ruth is committed to the game. Like somebody needs to put that on a t-shirt for him and just let it ride. 
He is a dark horse in his friend. Now, Neiman Gracie is nobody's, uh, nobody's, uh, I guess, fish or something like that. He's not going to be an easy pass. This dude has the submission game that can threaten Ed Roof. I mean, I just mentioned that Roof just did an IBJJF tournament not so long ago. He got submitted by Armbar by a guy who was playing guard, a great guard player. What the hell do you think Neiman Gracie is going to be able to do? Uh, playing guard as well. Now it's a little bit different. We're talking about strikes going in MMA there, but do not sleep on Gracie's grappling because that's like that's the basis of their whole game. We know that he's well. He's he's. He's going to. We know that he's going to be prepared to fight off his back. We know Ed Roof is going to be prepared to fight off his back. So that's something that I'm looking forward to see, just how much better he's gotten, how much he's continued to improve in these last few years. This dude has, he, I mean, like I said, he's in there putting in work. And I believe it's going to pay off. I believe it's going to pay off well for him as well, too. So that's one fight that stands out to me. Then there's a Paul Daly uh, MVP fight. And we know about the bad blood those two men have uh, against each other. This is a big step up for Paul Daly, who's typically fought cans at this point in his career. And people have been clamoring for him to do something else. Well, unfortunately, that um, that situation is now so it's definitely a situation that must be addressed because. He's only thrown into the fire. He's fighting someone who has a wealth of experience across the world and across mixed martial arts in Paul Daly that I don't think that he's, he's, well, he's definitely the toughest, excuse me, toughest test of MVP's career at this point. So we're going to see how this plays out. But this is a big fight for him. It's a very big point of contention. Then uh, I'm looking at the Crush Call Lima rematch. That's that's fucking impressive to me. McDonald Fish. I mean, McDonald's put his title on the line here. They need to turn on a fight. Gegard Musasi. I mean, he just doesn't split. Like, this right here is MMA at its finest. And I wish all these fights were on one card. You know it's not. They're going to try to spread it out to get as much as they possibly can out of it. I really do wish that all these fights were on the same card, but we'll go with what we can get. So let's keep it moving because there's another big Bellator fight that I wanted to talk about. And Aaron Pico is getting a huge step up in uh, competition, facing off against former Bellator. I think he was a contender. I think he was a champion, but former Bellator title challenger, Leandro Higo. Now, it's funny because we just talked about Ruth. And the slow pace that Bellator is taking with him, helping him along, helping him get better, et cetera, et cetera. 
Then you have Pico, who is getting. I mean, uh, this is a, this is a tough fight. This is tougher than the Zach Freeman fight, in which he got knocked the hell out. So, what do you make of this moment where he's jumping and he's jumping in such a he's jumping up in such a hard division, such a fast way? Gotta wonder what this looks like. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's Bellator 206, which is a couple months away. But I am very intrigued. And I gotta say, man, I am loving what Bellator is doing with some of its prospects. Absolutely loving this because they're building these guys up in the right way. And it makes you want to see what's next for him. Like, I want to see how Dylan Dennis looks in his next fight. I want to see what Aaron Pico looks like. I want to see what Ed Bruce looks like. There's so many guys on their roster that they just signed 22 guys from uh, Europe as well. They're still trying to build that kickboxing brand. This can work. And I'm not going to say it's, it's, it works as in it's, you know, it's going to be a hostile takeover of the MMA industry. No, but I'm saying that this could work in that it begins to capture the attention of hardcore fans. Um, we're going to see what the mainstream situation is like, but it's still it's still enough to keep me intrigued and to keep me excited about this fight. So I'm really interested in seeing what Aaron Pico looks like the next time he steps in the cage. But he, I mean, he's improving. We've recognized that, but Dude has to get some work done if he's going to pass this test. Because this test here is nobody's business. Um, it's, it's looks crazy difficult for him to get that win. So speaking of wins, you know, we had a big UFC uh, event this past weekend in UFC 227 where we had one title change and one successful title defense. So we're going to start with that defense first. Where CJ Dillashaw stopped Cody Garbrandt in the first round of their fight. And what was so interesting about this was that What was so interesting about this was that there's two things going on here. On one hand, you have TJ who looks like he's steadily improving. People are having an argument of whether or not he's the best bantamweight to ever uh, compete. Uh, I mean, he may very well be. You never know. But that's that's another conversation for another day. But you have CJ Dillashaw steadily improving, hand over hand, fight after fight. I continuously looks better. If he gets a win over Dominic Cruz, then yeah, I can say that that he may be the best bantamweight to ever compete. His improvement is the exact opposite of what's going on with Cody Garbrandt because. It just doesn't look like Garbrandt has the mental acumen to be able to get in there and compete well 
day in and day out. He goes in there against TJ, a fight where there's clearly a lot of uh, animosity between the two men and their camps. He goes out there and he gets his doors blown off. And he gets his doors blown off much worse than he did the first time around. When he actually dropped uh, TJ in their first fight and was able to um, look like he had an opportunity to win there, this one, it just, it just got bad, and it got bad fast. So you have to wonder what's next for TJ. They need to take a step back and slowly rebuild him. I'm not going to say that he's never going to be a champion, never going to fight for a title again, because the opportunity is still there. But they can't push him back into the title picture right now. We need to take a step back and rebuild him. Because as long as TJ is a champion, he has no business being in a title fight. He should have been in this one, but you know how the UFC has to do that, like the rush things. He should have been in this one, and I'm sure they probably would have wanted to make the TJ versus DJ fight instead. But here we are. So I think that the next title shot should go to Marlon Morales. I'm sure people are beating their vote on um, Dominic Cruz. And I mean, you know, Cruz has not looked great. Um, his, you know, his injuries continuously compound, so you never know where he will be from a physicality standpoint, I know he's training. He's been training in some of Angela Hill's videos, so there's that. But you gotta wonder um, just what he looks like in the future. Um, but I'm not too mad for that fight. I am. I'm gonna be open. So next time we get Schwan back on the show next week, I'm really gonna push that conversation about where TJ sits among all-time bantamweights because the dude has been, I mean, he's been a terror. He's been a force. You know, we can still we can look back at some of his losses that didn't look so great, et cetera, et cetera. But the man is a force, and he's someone to be, someone to be reckoned with. So let's see what he looks like over time because this could really be one of the all-time greats uh, that we're watching now and today. But speaking of the all-time greats, something that I am still, uh, what's the word, I'm still coping with right now occurred when we witnessed Demetrius Johnson finally lose that flyweight title after six years, nearly, as being the uh, champion, uh, 11 title defenses, it's all come to an end. He lost to Henry Cejudo via split decision. And the streak is done. He bowed out like a gracious champion, as you know we all thought he would. Um, and Cejudo becomes the first man to win, or the first fighter to win an Olympic gold and a UFC title. So, yeah, that's where we are. Demetrius Johnson is no longer a champion. I believe there should be no question that he gets an immediate rematch, especially with this fight being so close and the two guys are 
one and one against each other, but you never know. The UFC didn't like the idea of him being a champion, so you never know if that's going to go or if they try to screw him out of it. I actually was having the night of the fight. I was having an intriguing debate on social media because someone elected to use the term exposed and throw the idea out that Demetrius Johnson was effectively exposed in this fight. And to be honest, I greatly struggled with that because one, Demetrius Johnson has a win over Henry Cejudo. Their argument was, oh, well, that was early in Cejudo's MMA career. Okay, um, I think he was, well, how many fights in? Let me see how many fights in he was when that first bout occurred. First time they fought, he was, he was 10 fights in. So, I mean, no, that wasn't, that wasn't too early. I mean, he was 10 fights in and he had put together a pretty, Pretty good run at that point in time. You see, he defeated how many? He defeated a former champion in Formiga, who him he was a champion in other organizations. He's a former champion there. He defeated Chris Carriasso, who fought for the title. And he also defeated Chico Canis. As well. So yeah, I'm not even going to entertain the idea that he was young in his UFC career. But you know, I mean, he was young in his MMA career. But that's neither here nor there. That's all um, opinion and, and hearsay. But there's no way that he was uh, exposed. It was more just the fact that he balled it and bounced his way this time. It very well could have. Depends on how you rated his takedowns and his ability to control position. Because there's that. But there's also the idea of was he doing enough with those positions to warrant a victory? Because there are those who feel like he implied or he got equipped a game of the Emperor. I do not totally agree with that because I think it was takedown attempt to pass to a better position, but he could not get there simply because of Demetrius's active guard fighting through multiple positions, but he couldn't get, or, or trying to fight through the position in such a way, but he could not make, he, he just could not do it. So uh, there's, so there's that, but that debate was basically 
stand it. I thought it was hilarious. However, I want to see this rematch, and I want to see this rematch sooner rather than later. This is the type of fight I wish, I mean, I would love for them to put it on free TV because with proper promotion, it could be big for them, especially as their Fox events continue to struggle on television. They probably won't do it. Uh, it could be a good co-main event. It'll be huge, but we'll never, I mean, it, this probably we won't see this until sometime in 2019, but I thought that was a, a, a great bow, a great moment. Uh, I'm not going front. I was a little taken aback. I was hoping that Johnson would get the win, but the judges didn't see it that way. But I'm not upset with the judges in any way, shape, or form. I think they, did, they made the right call there in this fight. Um, honestly, I don't remember anything else that happened from UFC 227. I'm not going to pull the card up. But I'm seeing that the prelims did some pretty solid numbers and pretty good, and people are, are looking at this being a show that might outdo projections. My own projection initially was at 150 buys. I didn't think it was going to be more than 200. Now, I think it may be more than the 215, 225 range. We'll see if it does more than that. It should be considered a success. If it does more than 200, it should be considered a success. So we'll see what those numbers look like in the coming days. I haven't seen anything today on whether or not it came out or not, but I think that is, it was a, I think it was a strong show, powered by a good main and co-main event, two exceptional fights um, that we will remember this year when we look back on some of the uh, awards for 2018 in review. So with that in mind, um, you know, Sean and I, are gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and close it out, Sean over here, but you can, Go to MMARatings.net to rate the fights. Let us know what you thought of UFC 227, and then let us know how excited you are about some of the future fights coming up. Let us know how much you're um, anticipating those. You can also go there and read our work. Schwann just did a big piece that I actually just retweeted about Team Alpha Male, so you can catch his thoughts on Dry Favor and the Boys no, of No Shirt Nation. No shirt Nation and let us know what you think of that piece. I am working on something on the Diaz brothers and what makes them so alluring in the sport. But as always, you can find me at R Garcia underscore sports. You can find Sean at Black Jordan Green on Twitter. Michael Ford at MTF uh, the third on Twitter. And then also our teammate Adam Martin. I cannot remember. Hey, I think it's Adam Martin MMA. I think that's his Twitter handle, but he is a great mind and voice in mixed martial arts, so you can find him as well. There, you can check us out at MMA Ratings Net on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to give us a follow and like our content. As always, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Stay alert on everything we're doing week in and week out. And with that in mind, we'll be back next week for episode 96 of the NMA Ratings Podcast. We're inching closer and closer and closer to 100. And I still have no idea what we're going to do. But with that in mind, man, thank you for listening to our show. Feel free to check back on us next week as we'll be here for another one. And everyone have a great night.